Welcome back to another episode of Trust Me Around by Robert Kersey. Today is October 23rd, and tomorrow is opening day for the new NBA season 2023-2024. So what we'll be getting covered today is the Pacific Division, which includes the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, and Kings. And then the Southwest Division, Memphis Grizzlies, New Orleans Pelicans, Houston Rockets, San Antonio Spurs, Dallas Mavericks. And then I think I might drop my prediction episode the day of opening day. So I'll I'll probably drop that tomorrow. I'll I'll get it recorded today. But... I'll probably drop it tomorrow. What I want to say before we start this episode, which is unrelated to basketball. This goes out to everyone out there. Stop letting people play in your face. Stop allowing people that have no values in life think that they're A version of Ice Spice tell you what to do. Don't allow people that think that they are a trap god to tell you what to do. Do not allow people who don't know what they want out of life to do. Stop letting people. I don't care. I'm going to say it's my platform. It's my podcast. Don't allow people that go to the club just for attention from men regardless if they have a man or not tell you what to do simple as that they're not going to hear this so I don't care if they do hear they're not going to do nothing about it I only got five listeners that listen to this anyway so if you're really that upset don't feed into it stop allowing midgets who are built like Mike Wazowski off of Monsters, Inc. tell you what to do. Don't allow... If they're not taller than you, don't allow them to tell you what to do. Simple as that. That's my rule. Pacific Division. We are starting with the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers have a very deep bench this year. Um, I could easily say that they're one of the deepest teams in the league this year. Um, let's go to their roster and let's just talk about some of the key additions that they made. Um, I, I like them all, like all the new additions. And now there's, you know, only five players can play on the court at one time. And then there's probably an extra three to four players that will get off the bench that will have some type of significant role and that leaves about like two to three other players to not really have a role for the team or to be sitting on the bench or to be that alternate player that if one of the key role players off the bench is struggling they come in key additions Christian Wood Gabe Vincent Jackson Hayes Torian Prince Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish. Um, well, not Rui. Rui was already there. So it's really just Christian Wood, Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish. If we're being honest, the person on here that has the least to worry about, which it comes with someone behind them trying to steal their minutes, would be Jackson Hayes. Um, It's very, very important that Jackson gets off to a strong start to the season and has a great season overall because it's very well known that Anthony Davis does not want to play center. He would rather be in a Tim Duncan role where he's playing power forward and then at the end of games put him at center. And if we're being honest, Ever since Anthony Davis has came into the league, he's had a I, I can I could say it's an inappropriate amount of responsibility on the defensive end. 
10 times out of 10 out of his career, he's always been the last line of defense. But if you put someone in the starting lineup like Jackson Hayes, they, I mean, say you get beat by Jackson Hayes. Now you still got to handle Anthony Davis. Say you get beat by Anthony, say Anthony Davis beats you. Oh no, you get beat. Um, I'm sorry. Anthony, you beat Anthony Davis to the rim. You still got to handle Jackson Hayes, who's jumping out the gym like a six-eight guy, and he's and he's seven feet. Um, Christian Wood is a very underrated scorer, fifteen to nineteen points per game since he's really gotten his breakout shine, which was with I want to. I mean, you can say he he had his opening run with Houston that really put him on the map but let's see when did he really like get busy in the league you say like Detroit or when he got traded to New Orleans in 1819 16.9 points per game he was averaging 21 in Houston at one point uh, so I would say probably like that 1819 year season uh, 18 19 season where he really got to show what he can do on the court. He is a stretch big. Do not, if you're looking, if, if they put him in the starting lineup, it's kind of like what it's kind of like Anthony Davis's case. Doesn't want to play the five, is dominant at the four. And that's really where it stops right there. So Christian Wood should not start in my opinion, for the Lakers, depending on matchups, depending on what, you know, if teams have less rim protection, less uh, big man defenders, I would say yes, start them. But I think Jackson Hayes needs to start. Um, That doesn't mean that Jackson Hayes will play more minutes than Christian Wood. I would, the Lakers have a chance to have like, two to three players be in the conversation for six men of the year. Um, and that, that goes to my point of Gabe Vincent. I was not a big fan of Gabe Vincent in Miami up until this last playoff run in 2023. Um, let me look at his playoffs. They have him on basketball Ravens projected to average about 13 and a half points per game this year while shooting clips of 41, 34, 84, which is great. So I think that will work out for the Lakers. I think he's one of those. um, I just think he's one of those players that will actually get it done for the, the, the Lakers this year. I think he's battle tested. He's a part of this. So every year, you know, you try to find players that have been on championship level teams or or a player that's that's had a significant role in the playoffs or in, or in the finals. And the last couple of years, Gabe Vincent has had that. There's been games where Jimmy Butler has disappeared and Gabe Vincent has shown up. Last year in the playoffs, he averaged about 12.7 points per game. Um, which is, yeah, you might say that's not a lot, but that's very telling. Um, in the series against Boston, averaged about 15.8. Series against the Knicks last year, averaged about 10.3 points per game. Series against the Bucks, averaged about 13 points per game. So he, I think. I, I honestly think that Gabe Vincent will do well for the Lakers. Um, let's see. Take the load off LeBron. Not saying that now that they implemented this load management rule that AD's all of a sudden going to play 70 games. I think this year he's the probably will be the most healthiest that he's been. I think this year he probably will be the most determined that he's been. So I think this would work out for them in the long run. 
I really think that the Lakers have a chance to dominate kind of like that 2020 year. I know it's a little different. That that team had a lot of vets. Danny Green, KCP, um, Avery Bradley, who's a doll, Rondo, Dwight, JaVale, a lot of vets. A lot and a lot of vets coming in at that second unit. I think the, I think if you I think if LeBron is averaging a career low in minutes, let's look at that. Let's look at LeBron's worst year minute wise in the league. Let's see minutes per game. His worst was 2020-2021. Minutes per game. I think if LeBron can play about... If LeBron can play about 30 to 32 minutes a game, I think that will all add up for him when it comes down to the late stretch of the season and and the playoffs. Um, if LeBron is averaging like 35 minutes, 38 minutes, that's a telltale sign that he's being gassed. And it's also his 21st season. There, if you want to initiate the offense through LeBron, as in like he brings the ball up the court, that's fine. But that offense needs to run through Anthony Davis. Speaking of Anthony Davis, health for Anthony Davis. Um, He was ridiculed last summer by saying he hadn't touched the ball in like two months. Um, But when Nikola Jokic doesn't touch a ball for months and is overseas and doesn't play for his national team and is only... worried about horses and stuff like that no there's no shame because he has a trophy right but that doesn't exclude you from being able to uh, work on your game that doesn't allow you to just coast it through the summer I'll give you my opinion on on the on the did I already give you my okay. Well, if I didn't already say it in that episode, I don't think the Nuggets repeat because I don't think anyone on that team knows what it's like to try to repeat. Most of those guys on that team, no one on that team had two rings, has two rings except for KCP. KCP is the only one that knows what it takes or knows the the effort it takes to repeat I will forever say this I think the 2021 Lakers um, I wouldn't say were robbed but if you look back at that 2020 2020-2021 uh, season after we won in the bubble right when Anthony Davis got hurt against Denver, LeBron started going out. The Lakers were like 25 and 5. 23 and 5, 21 and 5, something like that. But it's injuries. I think I don't think Denver is in the shape to be repeating. That's why I think the Lakers can step in and come out of the West for them. Um, what's next for Reeves? Mike Breen was saying that there's a lot of people comparing Austin Reeves to Manu Ginobili. And when they say that, I know I understand real basketball heads understand that that's blasphemous. But he narrowed it down specifically to Manu's guts. Pause. Austin Reeves has the ability to be a role player and at times look like the best player on the team for a five to seven minute stretch. And that's all Manu did. 
Manu was never the best player on his team. Manu was never the best scorer on the team. Manu might have been the best passer on the Spurs teams, but Manu was never considered the best player. But there were spurts in playoff series and in regular season games and and 10-minute stretches and 8-minute stretches and 4-minute stretches where Manu looked like the best player on the court, regardless of who else was on the court with him. And I think that's what Austin Reeves is. I think Austin Reeves, next step for him is to uh, be a little more active defensively. Uh, he's a he's a nice team defender. Um, I'm still seeing teams um, attack him, like pick a roll, stuff like that. Try to isolate him. And, and if teams are still trying to like isolate you or you know pick out and do like matchup pick, pick and rolls. I think they don't consider you a positive defender. I think Osiris is, like I said, is a great team defender, but he's not a, a great individual defender that comes with size and experience. It's not like he isn't willing to get his hands dirty and do everything like that because that's how he got his shine first with the Lakers. Um, but I expect everything to be up for Osiris. I expect him to average about oof, like 18 there, it's it's really obvious that he is the third guy running for them it's obviously is AD and Braun but they're, the team I think especially guard play will go as far as Austin Reeves takes them Jerry Vanderbilt I've always liked Jerry Vanderbilt. I liked him in high school. Um, I, th- I personally thought he just should have stayed one more year at Kentucky. Uh, I think he left after his freshman year. That was those were the years where um, Kentucky wasn't you know that hot. It wasn't all that good, but they were still producing uh, NBA level talent, and Jerry Vanderbilt's one of them. In high school, Jared Vanderbilt was a like a point forward. He can handle the rock. But now since he, you know, do you not understand how many point forwards there are in the league? And apparently the definition of a point forward now is like just being able to dribble if you're six, eight or above. But a real point forward is like someone that could initiate the offense can get you five assists in a quarter, seven for the game, 10 maybe, you know, total for the game, something like that, right? And Jared Vanderbilt has every every opportunity to do that. Um, X Factors, oh, I'm sorry, Jared Vanderbilt, I would say if, I don't know if he will start or not, but it's not uncommon for a non-starter to make an all-defensive team. I don't, if he's a starter playing starter, starter minutes, I would expect him to be gunning for that all-defensive first team. But if he's like in between starting and coming off the bench, I would I would say he is a lock-in for all-defensive second team. I would, I honestly would think, it, I, really, it's really from the series of, going up against jaw and then Steph back to back I honestly think that Jared Vanderbilt has a strong case of making all defensive second team this year I don't know over who it's not my it's not my place but I think he has a strong chance X factors for the team to be honest it's the entire bench the bench will, the team will go as far as the bench goes. If the if the bench is leading the league in points off off the bench and stuff like that for the for for the for the team, or you know they have the highest plus minus or the highest field goal percentage, or if they're the best three point shooting team off the bench, the Lakers need to lead the league um, in something in that bench category. Um, but more specifically, 
uh, Christian Wood, like I already said, stretch big, can play him at the five in certain situations. They can really produce a lineup to where there is Jackson Hayes, Anthony Davis, and Christian Wood all on the floor at one time. Now, is that something you should have that's a go-to? No. But I think they have every uh, ability between those three to be able to withstand that. Uh, other X factors, Cam Reddish. Hopefully, he gets some type of respect. I think, I think Darvin Ham will get the most out of Christian. I mean, Christian Wood. He's gonna get the most out of Christian Wood, but I think he'll get the most out of Cam Reddish. Finally, I think we'll see Cam Reddish flourish, or we'll see Cam Reddish in 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 a trade package to to get another player that the Lakers need. I'm not sure. And Rui Hachimura, he's been hanging out with LeBron all summer, been training under LeBron all summer. He's LeBron's understudy with all respect behind that name, with all respect behind that word understudy. I think this is a big year for him. I think this is a big year for him. And I I am in love with Rui's game, pure off the fact he already has the mid-range. I would rather take a player that has the mid-range that has to develop a three than a player that already has a three that has to develop a mid-range because in the playoffs teams take away the three-pointer if you look every single playoffs teams totals a three-point percentage goes down attempts go down looks go down the opportunity to shoot a three in the playoffs is not always there because once you get locked in for a minimum of four games in a series you get a chance to to find the knicks and the and the and the, and the whereabouts of where players are and the the real real basketball freak stuff like the real like attention to detail type of things when 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 a scout has the ability to lock in on on a specific player or players for a minimum of four games in a row. They'll find your weakness some way, somehow. They'll find a weakness that you didn't even know was your weakness. And Rui is really working on it. What I want to see from him is his ball handling and his three-point shot. I'm not... I'm not timely threes, which is really what it is. Timely threes. I don't want him to be just jacking up threes and change his whole game and act as if he isn't a mid-range beast. I would love to see him take it. They're going to teams are going to put smaller players on him just because he's slow footed off the dribble. Rui is. So I think he doesn't need to get, um, overzealous when it comes to smaller defenders i think he just needs to if he has the ball get the ball up walk that defender down and turn around and and seal them and then now they're in your torture chamber now now you're in a spot where you've been on all summer now you're in a spot where you were when you was at gonzaga and i trust Rui's jumper Rui has a beautiful beautiful form his shot is nice it's very it's very obvious that Rui can score. And that's what the Lakers need from him this year is to score. That was such a great pickup by the Lakers. It is not talked about enough. That was such a great pickup by them. Um, trades. Everyone is saying D'Lo. But I like him. I don't know what else you can what like what other point guard you you probably have to wait and see during like the you know in the middle of the season. But I don't know what I really don't know what trade there is for D'Lo yet. We'll just have to see who comes up available. Um, I, I I honestly can't think of one right now. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Next team, Los Angeles Clippers. Insurance for...
Kawhi MPG. The team will only go as far as those two. Now, for some reason, the Clippers keep thinking that they could have won a championship if they were yada, yada, yada. Everybody can say that, right? But I've never, the only real chance they've ever had was in 2021 when they lost in the Western Conference Finals. I was really pulling for PG to get that done. Yeah, it got more respect from me. Really earned his respect back, in my opinion, from me personally. I know I'm just a podcaster, um, but in my opinion, he earned a lot of respect that was um, abruptly taken away just from the whole name himself playoff P and not and not coming through in the playoffs since then. Um, I think they'll be all right, but it's really the insurance for PG and Kawhi who will step up for them when they're not playing because let's be honest they're both going to miss time that's alright you can miss time it's just who's going to step up for them is Bones Highland going to play it felt like he wasn't really playing when they traded for him and they traded for him because they didn't have a point guard I mean honestly they went back and got Russ but it's like, is Bone High, Bones Highland has a lot of talent. 6'3", 173, um, second year in the league. He has a lot of the talent to get it done. Now, is his basketball game equivalent to a winning type of game? That's yet to be seen. Um, even when he was with the Denver Nuggets, he was never in a position to where he could just play freely. I think having a player coach like Ty Lu and having a lot of seasoned vets that have seen a lot on that team from Nicholas Batum to Marcus Morris to Norman Powell, even to Terrence Mann, they've, they've all seen a lot. Um, I think they'll be all right, but I think they need Bones Highland to be that spark. They need all their young guys to get them spark. So it's it's the it's the Bones Highland, it's the Terrence Man, it's the Kenyon Martin Jr. Who where they need to step up and just add that youthfulness to an already seasoned Clippers team. How long will, how I mean, like, how long until Palmley starts over Zubats? Yes, they're the same. Um, if you just by the naked eye, they look like the same type of player. But Miles Palmley, I'm sorry, is it Miles? No, it's Mason. I'm sorry. Um, I've been saying this for a minute. Mason Palmley is the most athletic white, pure white guy in the league. Not white guy that's. Not a fair-skinned player that's overseas. I'm talking about a actual, like, born in the U.S. He identifies as a Caucasian male. He is the most athletic Caucasian male in the league. He, to me, he's better than Zubash. And to be honest, it was, it's kind of weird that they traded for him because... How do I want to say this? I mean, it's pretty obvious that Mason is better than uh, Zubac. He's a better defender, I would say, in guarding the pick and roll. And when it comes to bigs, I'm going to talk on this for a little second. When it comes to bigs, all teams really care about that bigs can do is guard the pick and roll and guard the rim. And Mason Plummy uh, does a great job at that on both ends. He protects the paint. Um, on the defensive end to where not necessarily shot blocking but just deterring uh, offensive players to even have that chance of getting um, that that shot up at the rim 
Zubac is a lot younger, so I would say he's probably has more energy. But there's an argument to be made that Mason has more energy than him. And this is Mason's what? 12th year in the league? He, this is his 10th year in the league. It's been in the league a whole decade. Zubac has only been in the league for like four or five years. Um, I think if it begins to be... If it gets too obvious that Mason should be starting, I think Zubac will find his way on a new team. I don't know where. But other things open up for different players. I, I always thought I thought that the Clippers should have went and got Mitchell Robinson, who is more athletic, more springy than the both of them combined. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, X-Factors for that team, Norman Powell. He's a proven scorer, already has a ring. Everyone already knows who Norman Powell is and what he can do for a team. So now it's just giving him more of a role. Um, They're trying to make him into this like combo guard, which unless he... uh, Unless he really gets his ball handling up to par, which it's it's a decent it's at a decent clip, right? Unless they can really get that and manage his ball handling ability and just initiating plays, um, I think Norman Powell will be will do great for them. Um, like I said, they're trying to make him into this combo guard, which I don't think he is. I think he's just a pure scoring shooting guard or undersized shooting guard. Um, but time will tell. I think he'll thrive. I think when PG or Kawhi is not in the lineup, I think that's when you'll see Norman Powell shine the most. Um, he he works off of limited minutes just because he's backing up PG and or Kawhi. But I think the role that you give Norman Powell, he'll flourish in it. Trades to look at. For some reason, the the Clippers just deem Terrence Mann as untouchable. Um, it, it 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 seemed pretty obvious that the Clippers had no issue trading um, Terrence Mann in a deal that got them James Harden, but uh, they Steve Ballmer is saying the owner of the Clippers is saying that the Sixers aren't serious about trading um, James Harden. And I don't think they are either. I don't think the I don't think the 76ers are that serious. Um, because if they were, they would have been able to find a trade when they had a longer timetable than they did with Ben. Um, the other trade I would say look out for is Marcus Morris. Um, sometimes when a player is on a team for a little bit, and this is probably Marcus Morris's fourth or fifth year with the Clippers. Um, usually when a team has a player and he is just a steady, steady pace. Yes. Um, Marcus Morris, my average, you know, 13 plus points per game, grab you about four rebounds, get you about two assists, uh, shoot a high clip from the, from the three is a great isolation score. I don't, I think his, I I just think his time is up in LA. And I think, I don't really see Marcus Morris being on the team when they move the Clippers into the new building. Um, So what I would say would be is, um, look out for Marcus Morris in a trade package that could get OG Ananobi to the Clippers. Um, now they're going to be pressed to put OG in a starting lineup. You shouldn't. Uh, OG already has a ring, but he wasn't a part of that ring run when they had it. He was hurt in that playoffs, so he has a lot to prove. And he doesn't have, I don't think OG has a lot of pride coming from Missouri in that Kansas, Missouri area. You you just learn how to play ball. And OG is a team player. 
So I, I, if you make that trade for him, I don't think he will be pressed to be in the starting lineup. Yes, you can put him in a starting lineup, but don't be pressed to put him there. Next team, Golden State Warriors. Will CP3 be available? Yes, it looks all good now. One of the greatest passers ever to be passing to the greatest shooter of all time. Yes, that looks great. But will there be a deal where the Warriors can flip Chris Paul for a legit big? Just go. Just You don't even have to go get Mitchell Robinson. Just go get Isaiah Hartenstein. He fits exactly what the Warriors want. High energy. Um, his rim protection isn't, you know, top five in the league at his position, but he can still defend the rim. He's seven feet, left-handed, can shoot the ball, can kind of score for them. But the, the best version of the Warriors is when they have a big, this team does not have a big yes they got Kavon Louie but the Warriors will forever be bottom tier rim protecting and teams will always will teams will be able to have layup drills against them until they get a big you don't have to go get Mitchell Robinson I thought that's what they would have done it was pretty simple Warriors needed a big Mitchell Robinson who is the is really like besides the passing and the IQ of Andrew Bogut is really what Andrew Bogut was when the Warriors were on their first run super athletic can go defend can switch out onto a big if necessary great screener great lob threat uh, rim runner it just made too much sense I was very shocked that a deal didn't work out for them to where they just ship him off to Chris Paul to New York and they get Mitchell Robinson in return. You don't even have to go do that. Just go get Isaiah Hartenstein, bruh. Just, I don't understand why the Warriors think that this way of winning is going to be substantial. Um, because, yes, you can have the greatest shoot of all time. Yes, you can have the greatest backcourt shooting-wise of all time. Yes, you can have that. Yes, you can have Andrew Wiggins... Uh, who was coming off a year where he missed part of that year dealing with family issues and not and I don't mean a death in the family but they will continue to have layup drills against them every game if they don't have a rim protector Draymond Green is not protecting the rim like he like he was in 2016 2017 2018 2019 even in 2020s he's not doing that anymore Draymond is like 35, 37 years old, and his game was never built off athleticism. It was always built off being the smartest person. Yes, Draymond Green will stop a lot of rim protection. Isn't always meeting someone at the at the peak of their height of their jump and blocking their shot or making them miss. Rim protection is also swing swing around the horn now the ball's on the corner driving baseline and Draymond is the low is the low man defender and he cuts off the baseline and does and has either now that corner defender who would more likely be like let's see I mean it'll probably be like Moody or or I wouldn't say Wiggins. Wiggins isn't guarding anybody in the corner. I would say Wiggins is probably guarding someone that's more in the, in in the perimeter that's usually involved in, at the top of the key. So it'd probably be like uh, Clay, uh, Steph, uh, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, something like that. Draymond Green is stopping them um, outside of the paint and deterring them from getting a shot up. That's also rim protection. At that, yes, Draymond Green is going to be the best at that. But now, over talking about meet me at the summit, they don't have that anymore. They don't have that anymore. Um, if I can, if if I can find a stat, I guarantee you, the last four years, the Warriors um, got to be in the top ten of dunks allowed per per uh, per season. Got to be. 
I don't know where to find that, but it's just you. It, it's just it's simple math. Two two and two is four. It's simple. Help for Steph. For Steph to get the help, he needs Clay. But more importantly, he need. This is now the time where you run the offense through Andrew Wiggins. This is now the time. Last year, year before that, he was really just turned him into a great system player who everyone thought he could be on the defensive end. He became. Now he has that reputation of he had no not only does he have that reputation, but Andrew Wiggins looks like he's playing with the most confidence he's ever had. Since being with the Warriors. There's always been two positions that have always been interchangeable for the Warriors. And whenever they get it right, it's looked like the KD Warriors or the Warriors when they first made their run or when they went 73 and 9. It's always been the small four position that's been interchangeable for them and the center position. If they can lock that down, they already have point guard, shooting guard, and power forward locked in. Even when you even if you're talking about the bench, they got Corey Joseph, a very underrated, smart, cerebral vet, probably the last like one of the one of the last like I will outthink you based off of where I've been in my career type of games. Malcolm Brogdon is one of them. Brogdon really came into the league like that. But Brogdon's one of them. Corey Joe is one of them. Uh, Derek White is another one. These are guys that were in systems. And we're being honest, all those guys are products of what Greg Popovich did. Malcolm Brogdon, where it was Mike Budenholzer, who Mike Budenholzer was under Greg Popovich. Corey Joe was underneath. Uh, came into the league as a spur. Um who's another guy that's like that Dante's like that who's under but uh, a lot of these backup PGs are not like that anymore and I think Corey Joseph helps at that PG position Moses Moody will step up but the real help needs to come from Clay and Wick speaking of Clay is Clay back? Is Clay back? I don't think he is, but is Clay back? What do we what do we what do we expect out of Clay this year? Do we expect him to lock in defensively? And I'm starting to um whew. Do I want to say this? This is a weird hot take about Clay. Clay's defense might be a little bit underrated. Clay has issues with the the fast twitch guard. So like Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Uh, all he's always had trouble with James Harden. Uh, just quick twitch players, right? And there's a lot more of that style in the league now. This is the most ever in the league there's been quick twitch players, first twitch, quick step, half step players, right? And that's really what Clay has an issue with. And I think it's very prevalent that Steve Kerr said that Clay will be guarding fours. Because they're slow footed, Clay can keep up with them. Clay is pretty strong, so I feel like he'll be able to hold his own with them. Still six seven, but it's that's never going to be an issue for him. Um, but is Clay back? Is is Clay going to get back to that eighteen a game, nineteen a game Clay that we've seen before, twenty one a game Clay that we've seen before? I don't think so. But I think he will be back for them in spots. There will be games to where Clay had forty. Clay had fifty last year. Clay had 50 against the, the, the Hawks last year, I believe. He had like 54. Clay, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting looking at Clay this year for sure. Andrew Wiggins, like I said, this is Wiggins' 
chance to really shine offensively. I think they'll be asking more from him this year. Steph is getting old. Clay is not who he was. I think they'll be asking more from Wiggins um, this year. I don't. I don't really see a scenario where he doesn't take a step forward for them. Um, but he's he's still their best perimeter defender. I think for them to be as dominant as they want to be, he has to show up for them. X factors, Jonathan Kaminga. I think Chris Paul's playing a hand in how Kaminga is made now. You already saw his rip-through move from Kaminga where you didn't really expect a move, a high-IQ move like that from him. So it's already prevalent that Chris Paul has a hand in his development. Moses Moody should be taking a step and trades for that team as well. CP3, um, whatever you do, just find a trade to where you can get a big back for him if you do want to trade him. I honestly don't think it's not like it's not going to work. The fit is there. Now, is it the best fit for the overall team? No. Chris Paul's offense, Chris Paul's game does not fit what the Warriors is. The Warriors offense is built off of movement, getting off the ball, player movement, ball movement, stuff like that. Chris Paul has forever been one of the point gods, how y'all want to say it, who just pounced the ball for 19 of the 24, and then the last seconds makes the assist. It's not like you're finna just go tell Chris Paul to go stand in the corner, so like, are you about to change your whole philosophy? Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Are you going to change your whole philosophy so that Chris Paul can dominate, even though he's 38 years old? Hmm. And also Moses Moody. They might even make a trade for him to, to, to go get a bench big um, that will flourish in the starting lineup for them as well. So be on the lookout for that. The next team we'll be discussing uh, will be the Phoenix Suns, who made the trade for Bradley Bill, got their defensive center in Yusuf Nurkic. But the biggest thing that is my issue is they have just fully abandoned this need of a point guard. And honestly... This is either the, this is, the Suns are the tide, and I don't know if they're going to push it forward or backward. If they win a championship with no starting point guard, or with no player that's that has point guard capabilities, that might issue in a new style, which could diminish the need for a point guard. Now, granted, who's going to be point guard? What? Bradley Bill is no way, shape, or form a point guard. Devin Booker, if you ask him to initiate the offense, I don't think he can do that at a high clip. They've, we've already seen him in the position of James Harden, Devin Booker, where he is the primarily the scoring threat but the ball is in his hand to initiate the offense and to create assists. Devin Booker cannot do that. Um, So I think the biggest issue with them is the point guard play. They don't, I don't, I don't know what point guard they have on their roster. Let's let's go look at their roster real quick. They don't have a point guard that will be able to do what they need. The only point guard I see on here is 
Jordan Goodwin, which is not a point guard. And Saban Lee, who's on a two-way contract. So obviously they have just completely abandoned the thought of a point guard. And I think that will come to bite them at some point in the season whether it's they're able to hide it the entire length of the season and make it to the playoffs where they get um, exposed of not being able to initiate offense and not being able to get into their things and taking away their their I mean they're they're bringing down Devin Booker's abilities by like I would say like 15 percent by just having him initiate the offense, I would rather Devin Booker come off screens, snowing in that offense, no one in that starting lineup that can initiate an offense well. And anyone that you can pick to initiate the offense is taken away from their main ability. It's not like you're going to ask Kevin Durant to initiate the offense. It's not like you're going to ask uh, 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 Yusuf Nurkic to initiate the offense. Yes, he is a micro hub where he can make decent passes from that horns position from the nail uh, a great passing big but it's not like he can just initiate the offense 10 times out of 10 every time down they need a point guard they will trade for a point guard at some point they will sign a point guard more than likely it looks like it would be john wall to me all signs are not going towards John Wall, but it makes no sense not to sign John Wall and see what he can do. Does Bill average at least 23 points per game? Yes, KD's going to get his 27 to 28 to 29 points per game. Yes, Devin Booker's going to get his 25 to 28 points per game. But is there enough basketballs to go around to where... Bradley Bill is still averaging 20. If Bradley Bill is averaging 17, I don't know. Does that mean he just now is becoming a point guard? And we know Bradley Bill is not a great decision maker, in my opinion. No, he is a score first score only guard. He is not that well of a passer to me. Yes, you can develop being a passer. Yes. Your natural scoring ability can open up passing lanes. But the best version of Bradley Bill is when he is scoring. And I don't think there's enough basketballs to go around. I think it's about to look like uh, the Nets of 2021. So I'm not scared. I'm not worried about the Suns. I don't think they'll, they'll win the championship. Yes, they might be the favorite, but that's only because they have a big three. They don't have a player to get them into spots. I don't care if you just go out and get a really high role player and put him in the starting lineup. That might work. But other than that, I don't see a scenario in which they come out of the West and they don't have a legit point guard on their roster. Which one was the better is the better fit? Yurkage, uh Nurkage or Aiden? Aiden, they the Suns have forever had an issue with getting entry passes into a low post player, and that's what Aiden is. Low post, pick and pop in that mid-range area. Um, will this be the year where um, Nurkic really flourishes in another type of offense where they're not asking him well the Suns aren't asking their big men to post up every single time I think they'll do just fine um, X Factors I mean Josh Kogi he'll be in a starting lineup somewhat to be that, that key defender <clears throat> because if we're being honest your top three players, top three wings, or whatever. Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant. Neither one of those players are equipped to be the number one defender on the team. 
And honestly, I think they're just fully just not going to focus on defense this year and try to just outscore teams. They have the firepower to outscore teams. They, they don't have the firepower to hold teams under 115 points. I don't see a scenario where a team isn't scoring 110 on them or more. I really don't. Uh, Eric Gordon, vet, coming off the bench. He should work seamlessly with them. I don't see a scenario where he doesn't. And Bobo. I already have his episode done. I'm just I'm just waiting for the right time to release it. But I'm pretty sure this is his last chance. It just seems it seems like his last chance before people just chalk him up to what he's what he is. And what he is is just an underperforming big with a lot of potential. Uh, now, do I still believe in Bobo? Absolutely. Do I think he's been treated correctly in his career? No. Do I also think that he has put himself in the best situation to be seen by coaches and get more playing minutes? No. I don't think he has. Only time will tell. Trades to make for them. Trade for a point guard. I really don't see. I mean, you can probably cook up a deal where you just say goodbye to Eric Gordon and trade him for a point guard. But I really don't see a scenario where there's a player on their team to where they can make that trade for a point guard. It looks like to me that um, that their roster looks like what it would be at the end of the year after making trades and the team's a little off balance Um, but I don't really see a scenario where the Suns flourish without a point guard they need a point guard Sacramento Kings I think they'll be right back in the mix this year again. What's next for Fox? Uh, I mean, it's just taking that other step up. I mean, you don't have to add two to three more points on your on your average, but I think it's more now about how he's scoring, how he's getting to the bucket, how he's getting to his spots, more efficient, less shots, more efficiency. Maybe more assists, um, stuff like that, right? Uh, improvement from last year. I I don't think they will improve on necessarily last year, just be, unless they're just legit, te- like a legit team again. Um, but a lot of a main reason why they were able to win those fifty games or however many games they won last year was because teams didn't really know who they were teams also didn't take them seriously last year they were 48 and 34 so two games under 50 wins um i don't think they'll be catching anybody by surprise this year but i don't think they'll be like out of the playoff race i think the kings are here for a little second now think they found the right coach this really shows what it is when you find a legit coach to pair with your young stars who will be the third option are they going to do third option by committee where it's like Malik Monk, Kevon Herter, Harrison Barnes are they going to go out and make a trade for Harrison uh, with Harrison Barnes in it And I keep saying his name, but OG Ananobi just seems like he has a seamless fit with multiple franchises in the league. There's multiple franchises in the league where they can use him. And I honestly think that this might be the most slept on move, but I think the Kings need to make that move to be a legit team in the playoffs. And not only just the playoffs, but just in the league in general. 
because that whole the the that whole shocking teams and everything like that is not happening this year. It's not. Everybody's gonna be ready for that. Is Malik Monk settled in now? I think so. He was I don't know, probably without looking top ten, top seven. In the um, in the six man of the year voting, um, multiple thirty point games off the bench. Had a forty five point game off the bench versus the Clippers in that crazy game where they set all those records, second most highest scoring game in NBA history. But he looks like he's found a home. Granted, it is with his old running mate in college and De'Aaron Fox. But I think he settled in, and I think he'll have another breakout year this year. Uh, X-Factors, like I already said, Kevon Herter, or Kevin Herter, whatever his name is. Yeah, Kevin Herter. I think he'll take another nice little mini step this year. You know, he's still a role player, so it's not too much he can do to extend outside of what they're asking him to do. But I think he'll he'll come up for them. Keegan Murray seems like that is who will take that third uh, option role. And if that's true, then you can go ahead and trade Harrison Barnes for a more playable player. Yes, Harrison Barnes is like the the uh, I don't know if he's like the glue, but he's just like he's just like the old. Not old, but just like the seasoned vet that has been through it all. Harrison has been a starter on a championship level team. Harrison has been to the mountaintop and has fallen off. Harrison has also played for the Dallas Mavericks, where they expected him to average 22 points per game, and he averaged 15. But make a trade for him. And get Jeremy Grant in Sacramento and really just go full throttle with this whole Jeremy Grant on the wing idea. Uh, idea. And I mean, it might work. Like I'm saying, like I said before, OG Ananobi is a great is a great option for them. I think they should look into that. Um, I think it'll I think it'll work out for them. I think it'll be fine. Another one, Davion Mitchell. Um, I don't know what role they'll ask for him to have this year, but I think he will be a important piece for them this year. Um, he's still a lockdown defender already. I think that will be prevalent. He'll be fine. I think Davion Mitchell will, will take that next step forward and will be able to take a load off of De'Aaron and even be able to play next to De'Aaron in some cases. Trades, like I said, Harrison Barnes. Um, but also look for a three-level score. So like take a look, let mm, keep an eye out on uh Gary Trent Jr. Uh, maybe even roll the dice and go with RJ Barrett. Something like that, right? It, it, it seems like this is probably RJ's, I don't know about last year in New York, but it seems like the clock is officially ticking on what RJ can do for them. So I wouldn't put it past the Knicks to pull that trick and trade him this year if the price is right. But the Kings need another three levels. They just need like one or two more three level scores and they'll be straight. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Trust Me or Wrong by Robert Kersey. 
about to record the Southwest Division right now, which includes the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Mavericks, Spurs, Rockets, and Pelicans, if I've already said that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Repost this. And I'm going to say this right here. I need for the people that actually listen to this to repost my episodes a little more often. I do appreciate all the love and support from the people that do listen. But the ones that say that they are supporting me and love and have the love behind this to you know to listen or whatnot and and always like my story stuff like that repost because i can do all the work in the world and my podcast only goes as far as the as the people that watch but the people that listen to it so please 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 repost this please just show the love and support i appreciate all of that and we're out peace